Good morning, early risers. Welcome to Spirit Rock again this morning. Lovely to see you all. Um, no announcements today. Isn't that great? <laughs> yes. Oh, one thing. Is Carol? Carol's in the room. The attendant to the Ayas, Carol, who's right here, needs to get to Berkeley at the end of the day. So if someone is going to Berkeley, is there anyone going that direction? A hand raised. Thank, Thank you. you. And if you did not bring your chant sheets today, there's some more in the back. Assisted hearing devices in the back. I'll see you just before lunch. Thank you. Thank you. May I ask, may I request uh, for the door to be closed, please? Thank you. People can still come in, but kind of more protected if the door is closed. So it looks like you have all been here yesterday, at least 98%. So... We don't really need to recap what we were speaking about yesterday because we're speaking about the same today. But uh, Ayana Nabodi said that someone ex- uh, was requesting the five precepts because we have been uh, stressing that a few times, how important they are as a foundation for the practice to lead towards opening of the heart and mind because without that basis it's really not going anywhere. It's just going like round and round. So Ayananda Bodhi would like to offer the five precepts. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to offer the refugees and the, and the five precepts as a support for, for your practice and, and also as a support for all beings. So uh, a lot of the mess that we are in as a, as a species would not be the case if everybody kept the five precepts. It would be a very different world. And the, the Buddha says, you know, those, uh, when you keep those precepts, when you live by those, those uh, precepts or that training, you become a source of fearlessness to all beings, a source of safety to all beings. So much what the world needs. So we can't uh, make other people do it, but we can do it ourselves. And just to go through the precepts, the first one is not to take the intentionally. This intention is an important part of the Buddha's teaching. So not to intentionally take the life of any living being, even tiny ones, intentionally. Uh, to refrain from taking what is not given. To refrain from sexual misconduct. Uh, to refrain from lying. And that can also inc- include harsh and harmful speech and to refrain from intoxicating drink and drugs which cloud the mind so the first four are ethical precepts and the fifth isn't ethical but it supports the other four so uh, 
And uh, if you if you feel you can take the first four but not the fifth, then take the first four. Even if you feel you can only take one, take that and, and work towards the others. You know, I once knew someone who who wouldn't take them because he felt he couldn't keep the fifth one, and it's like take the ones you can and, and, and keep working at it and if you're already living by those five precepts that's a wonderful thing and appreciate that in yourself you know, the Buddha says um, like recollect your own goodness frequently recollect your own goodness the good that you are living and bringing into the world and, uh, and keep refining them they can be refined so we're going to start with the the refuges and precepts. So we're chanting Namo Tassa, homage to the Buddha. We don't have it written anywhere. You just either you know it or you don't. So you just join in. And we'll chant Namo Tassa, and then we'll go through the the three refuges. Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa. Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Buddhang Saranang Gachami Tamang Saranang Gachami Sankang Saranang Gachami Dutiampi Bhutang Saranang Gachami Dutiampi Dhammang Saranang Gachami Dutiampi Sankang Saranang Gachami Tatiampi Bhutang Saranang Gachami Tatiampi Dhammang Saranang Gachami Tatiampi Sankang Saranang Gachami So now I'm going to chant the Pali and then say the English and then you repeat the English. Panati pata veramani sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from taking the life of any living creature. Adinadana veramani sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from taking that which is not given. Kame sumi chachara veramani sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from sexual misconduct. Musavada veramani sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from false and harmful speech. Sura meraya majapamadatana 
I undertake the precept to refrain from intoxicating drink and drugs which lead to carelessness. Imani pancha sikapadani silena sukatinyanti silena porka sampada silena nimbutinyanti tasma silangwi sotaye. These are the five precepts. Sila or virtue is a support for true happiness. Sila is a support for true wealth. Sila is a support for the peacefulness of nibbana. Therefore, Make much of this sila. Thank you. <clears throat> so, the next thing what we want to do is just doing another guided meditation, arriving here, and about what I was sharing yesterday, you know, combining the warm practices of the Brahma Viharas with the cool practices of insight, you know, cutting through perceived limitations in the mind. And so I'm going to guide us again in a Brahma Vihara meditation in the style I did it yesterday, which is in the Sutta, the conch blower. And we can again start with the chanting, which are the meditation instructions from that sutta. And then later on, we shift and we are, you know, looking at impermanence, which is then, you know, the inside part of the meditation, looking at the way things truly are. And through that, you know, the mind being really still and at ease and at peace is capable of looking really deeply into the truth of impermanence and that will change the mind and if we keep on you know uh, practicing in that way then we are collecting more and more uh, moments of seeing clearly in terms of seeing impermanence how it operates and also the mind gets used to the peacefulness of the Brahma Viharas and then it's easier to get back to that when it you know when it's needed. So it's both, you know, both uh, trainings are mainly you know to familiarize ourselves with what the mind can do really when it is instructed and then through practicing it like any other skill, you know, learning an instrument or learning a sport or anything, through repetition, you know, we have easier and easier access to that skill. And uh, that's why we are doing it, you know, so that we can then in the moment when we are really challenged, we can remember. And that's, you know, what we hope for, that we can get that strength and that power of the mind more and more fully established and then you know at one point when causes and conditions come together then a real breakthrough to Nibbana can also happen and that's the real aim of the practice if there's any but at the same time also being too goal oriented doesn't work either so holding it lightly but knowing where you are going 
that's really the art and the balance of the practice. It's like, you know, having a guiding star, but at the same time we have to look at the path so that we don't stumble about, over, you know, obstacles and fall into pits and all kinds of things. So we have to do both at the same time, looking up at our aspiration and looking down at what's happening right now. And that, you know, sounds kind of a paradox, but you know it all anyway, you know, from having driven here today, you knew you wanted to drive to a spirit rock, but at the same time you had to look at the road. So it's something we're doing all the time. We just need to make it conscious. And the whole practice is, you know, just making conscious what's really already happening. We don't have to make, you know, make something different happen than what's happening, but to just really fully be with that. That is enough, actually. So, I'd like to start with a poem from the same collection. Ayananda Bodhi shared a poem yesterday. And the nun I'm sharing the poem from, is, she's called Abhirupananda, Delighting in Beauty. And she says, Haven't you spent enough time comparing your hair and your clothes and your face to the hair and the faces and the clothes of those around you. See the body for what it is. Real beauty is in the clear open light of the non-judgmental heart. Real beauty is in the clear open light of the non-judgmental heart. You know, and that's a non-judgmental heart which doesn't come from, you know, suppressing judgment but it's coming from widening and opening and deepening the heart so that it can contain whatever is arising knowing what it is but not necessarily needing to divide it up into good and bad because nothing is fundamentally good and bad but everything is just what it is and that the practice of the Brahma Viharas is helping us, you know, to stretch our hearts and our minds so it can allow things to happen as they happen. And then action flows forth, but it isn't based on judgment in terms of what I want, but it flows forth from wishing, you know, all beings to be happy wishing all beings to be free from harm, wishing all beings to not be separated from their good fortune, and knowing at the same time that all beings are the owners of their actions. And knowing that everything is impermanent. And to just bring all of that together, a meditation like that can help us. So... So let us find the posture again. We can sustain for um, 45 minutes or so. You know, and allowing the mind to rest on the body like the body rests on the cushion.
and also bringing up, you know, the aspiration, why are you sitting here, why did you come today? The mind rests on this aspiration and on the body. Arriving here at Spirit Rock. And in front of us is a whole day of practice together. And just landing, landing here. Then we can start again you know, bringing up an image in our heart area, bringing up an image of something or somebody who arouses that feeling tone of loving kindness or benevolence. And it can be like a baby, a little puppy or a kitten or a little any little being, you know, which arouses that sense of natural heart opening and movement towards like caring and protection. That's what metta is about. May all beings be happy, is the thought. Or may this little being be happy. And then just noticing, you know, what it does to the heart area or heart chakra. It's like a little blossom, you know, just starting to open. Effortless, because it's an innate quality in the human heart. Or not even only human heart, I think. All, you know, animals, the same, they care for their young. It's like inbuilt. And the planet herself also, she has that in her. She provides. All beings have that. And often it's very limited only to their own kind. And what we need to learn is to open up that. So to gently breathing into that blossom and allowing it to open up. And the, the sun at noon which shines on everything in the same manner, no preference. as we did in the chanting, I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with loving kindness. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, 
around and everywhere and to all as to myself. I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with loving-kindness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. And let that light radiate out all around you and above and below. Sitting in a sphere of metta. No need to strain, you know, make it big or make it a certain way. Just let it do its thing. Boundlessness. Just learning to see the, the potential of the heart. And just learning to trust that. The heart knows how to respond. So with the in-breath, you know, we're breathing in the metta and with the out-breath, we're just letting it go out into boundless space. And it just wells up in the heart, like it's a mystery, where is it coming from? Then we can shift gear, shift to compassion, karuna, which is like the sun set, sun in the evening which goes down. And it's like sending sending the good energy towards those who are currently in a situation less fortunate than ourselves. And then if you know, we bring up the thought, may all beings be free from harm. And then you can notice in the heart area that sensation changes slightly. It's not the same as metta. It 
is rooted in metta, but it's sent towards those less fortunate than ourselves in the moment, and there's a shift in energy. less high, it's, it's more like the sun is not so bright, it's, it is coming down. May all beings be free from harm. It's a certain soberness, sobriety about it. I feel sober. Not sad necessarily, but it's a different tone. And the biggest um, biggest thing to think about in terms of arousing compassion is people don't know their true nature. They are running and running in circles looking for happiness and they can't find it, look in the wrong places. not finding until that you know when the causes and conditions are right people wake up and then they are looking in a different way and that's what we all have in common here you all have already woken up to that degree you're no longer looking solidly out there starting to look at the root compassion So being able to put ourselves in the shoes of another. And then the next Brahmavihara is uh, Mudita. Pathetic joy or gladness. This is like the sun in the morning at sunrise. The glory of that. Reflecting in the dewdrops on the grass and on the trees. 
It's like an uplifting energy. And the birds are starting to sing and the inspiration of that scenario. May all beings be not separated from their good fortune. Then the last one is a upeka or equanimity or sense of perspective, equipoise, bird's eye view. And that's a combination of the other three. And that is like the full moon, the coolness of the full moon. All beings are the owners of their action. All beings are the owners of their karma. That's the reflection here. Staying, you know, connected, but with space. Space around it, like the aura around the full moon. and all around, above and below.
allowing it to radiate. And then paying attention to the spaciousness, the boundless space, which doesn't end at the walls of this hall. Silence and the space. equanimity. Space allows anything to arise and cease in it. There's no preferences. and then dropping the space as an object for the mind and just being aware of that which knows space. So from the boundless space we are dropping that and come to boundless knowing, boundless awareness, boundless consciousness. No object, subject knowing, subject. And, you know, we so-called modern humans, as we are informally called homo sapiens sapiens, because we have that capacity to know that we are knowing, reflexive knowing. And the word sapiens comes from the Latin word sapere, which means either to know or to taste. You know, for example, you know, we know what the taste of honey is only after we have had a spoon of it. We have that capacity to know, to fully experience something from our point of view. By fully allowing ourselves to be impacted by an experience and to know it.
and that boundless knowing or immeasurable is as boundless as that which is known, for example, a space. Just being that knowing. And then also dropping the identification with the knowing. It's not me knowing, it's just knowing. It's not a thing, it's not anything. It is a process, just that, knowing. There's no object, there's no subject, there's just knowing. Awareness. Or an aware emptiness. Which just is. And through us, it knows itself. And that capacity for knowing, that's to um, increase that capacity for staying conscious, that's really why we are here. Not just to have another good experience or have things exactly work out like we want them to be or that they are safe or that they are anything in particular that's not really the point. You know, that's how that, that obsession with me and mine and my this and my that, it gets deconstructed, deconditioned by guiding the mind to be resting in this temporary liberation of the sense of separation. 
and you know familiarizing the mind with that capacity. It needs to be, you know, trained. It doesn't come necessarily by itself. It sometimes might arise. But if we systematically train ourselves in it, it's more effective. And that's the evolutionary step we should try to make. There's no reason not to try. We already have the equipment since a long time, since 2,560 years. We can get a bit more serious about doing it. Because we need to. And the Buddha was advising us you know, to practice like our hair would be on fire. And it's going to be getting there really now. I'm not saying all of those things in order to arouse a sense of kind of fear or guilt or anything. It's just, you know, that's what we are all in together. We are not the crown of the creation. We are not in control. But we can tune in and we can, you know, be part of this flow why not I mean we don't have any other choice anyway there's also a sense of relief in all of this we are not responsible to sort it all out because we wouldn't be able to but we can acknowledge you know the limitations We have been under for so long because we thought it was a good thing and now we find out it isn't actually that great. So then we just acknowledge that and move on. It's not for the first time that this is required. We moved on so many times already.
it always in the beginning it always once we become conscious of something dying you know in the beginning it's like oh my god I don't know if I can do this I can't take off my third wheel from my tricycle I can't do two wheels and then you can Wow, you know, learning to drive the car. I could never drive a car and speak with my friend and eat something at the same time. Impossible. But then you can. And that's the same thing. In the beginning, it's all like so overwhelming. And just let it stretch you. And stretching is kind of painful, but it's okay. Because we are not alone in this, we are all having to go through that. And if we volunteer for it, it's kind of a little bit easier. And really connecting with that sense of relief. We don't have to have all of the answers. But we just need to be aware that we don't have them. And this is okay. This was a dream. And the dream is over. That's good. Waking up from the dream of separation. It's appropriate, you know, for an immature being, but now we're going to leave that behind. And just turning awareness towards impermanence. inside your own body, inside your mind, around you. Subtle sound of the air conditioning.
and allowing that experience of impermanence wash away craving and wash away passion for some kind of permanence which cannot be found. It's a flow. It's a process. And that's what needs to be really deeply realized. And then we have more capacity to see the ending of things, the ending of an era, the ending of a worldview, the ending of a way of doing things. And not knowing what's going to come next. And just trusting. It's going on since billions of years. Where should it stop today? And we are not the center of the process. We are just a little grain of sand. And I rather prefer that, really. I wouldn't want to direct all of this. It's impossible. We have tried, you know, to come up with all kinds of theories about God with beard and sitting on the cloud directing all of this. It's not really happening. The mind is not able to understand this. And the Buddha is not telling us how it works, but he's explaining to us how we can allow ourselves to be part of that flow. He doesn't tell us what to do, but he tells us rather how to do it. And from having the right relationship, action flows forth. And it's different for all of us, depending on our karma, depending on our gifts, depending on our situation.
So, witnessing impermanence. And also knowing that that meditation is going to end in a few minutes. And paying attention to endings. Usually the mind is only interested in beginnings. That's why we feel very enchanted by babies and puppies and kittens, but we don't like you know, old dogs and cats who are half dead. We don't like that so much. Just, you know, pay attention to the whole spectrum. It's part, it's all belongs. And it helps to balance the mind. Spread it out evenly. That's what it means, you know, to counteract ignorance. It's just a very simple example like that. It's not bad, but being out of touch with reality. And we can just end this session by doing the chant on the four boundless qualities on page 25 in English. Now let us make the four boundless qualities shine forth. I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with love and kindness. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth. So above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself. I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world. With a mind imbued with love and kindness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will, 
I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with compassion. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world, with a mind imbued with compassion, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will, I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with gladness. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself. I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world, with a mind imbued with gladness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. I will abide pervading one quarter, with a mind imbued with equanimity, Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world. With a mind imbued with equanimity, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. So now we have another session of walking meditation. And if the bell could be rung at uh, 10.35... And is there anyone here who doesn't know how to do walking meditation? Can you indicate that? Okay, so see you at uh, 10.35.